Hi everyone, welcome to today's episode of Party Like a Marketer, the podcast dedicated to cannabis and CBD marketing produced by the Cannabis Marketing Association. My name is Lisa Buffo, the founder and CEO of CMA, and I am your host. DeRay Ross is the founder and president of Aspen and Fort Lauderdale PR, marketing and special events agency, DeRay and Company, celebrating its 20th year in business. An award-winning PR entrepreneur, DeRay is a pioneer in her adaptation of emerging industries, including CBD. Her work in CBD has resulted in a list of clients that continues to grow, from processing facilities to consumer product brands sold in big box retailers. Through a watchful eye on local and federal legislation, a strong pulse on key expos and leadership conferences, and proven relationships with influencers and thought leaders, DeRay successfully navigates this rapidly growing industry. In 2020, DeRay was honored with an award from Reagan's Top Women in Communications in the Visionary category for her work in cannabis and the hemp space. She's also a member of the board at the Florida Hemp Council. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Party Like a Marketer, the podcast where we talk about CBD and cannabis marketing with experts in this space. My name is Lisa Buffo, and I am your host today, as well as the founder and CEO of the Cannabis Marketing Association. Today, we have DeRay Ross, who is the founder and CEO of her own PR and marketing firm, DeRay & Co. Welcome, DeRay. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to have you, and thank you for being an active part of our CMA membership. We're really excited to have a more in-depth conversation today and learn about your unique perspective um, in the cannabis market, particularly from Florida, which is really exciting for a lot of our West Coasters to learn and hear about as well. So let's jump right into it. I'd love to know a little bit about DeRay. Who who is DeRay? How did DeRay get into the cannabis industry? Um, and, and what brought you here? Tell us a little bit about your story um, leading up to this point. Sure. So several years ago, I received a call from a long-term client of mine who was in totally a different industry. And he said, have you ever worked in cannabis? And I said, no, but I'm being a part-time uh, resident of Colorado. I have seen what's gone on there. I've been, I've had a, a bird's eye view, I guess, of, of kind of what's happened. Um, so I've always been interested in it, but it just, you know, I haven't been in that space. And he said, well, you're getting into it now. So he was investing in a, a, a company, a CBD company, and he said, can you figure it out? And I said, well, I've been doing this for over, you know, more than 20 years. So I'm pretty sure I can, I can figure it out, but you know, I, I haven't been in this space before. And he said, you're doing it and you're, you're, that's what you're going to do. And I said, okay. And so fast forward, it's been several years. It's been totally crazy fun. And, you know, certainly the passing of, of the, you know, the farm bill in 2018 changed a lot of things as well too. So it's been, it's been a really fun ride and I didn't, intentionally go after the business, but it was always something that I was interested in getting into just because of, I guess, part-time in Colorado and just seeing consumer packaged goods and where, th- where things were going. So it was, it was always interesting to me. And tell us a little bit about DeRay & Co. When did you start your company and um, what was your journey like leading up to that? Have you, have you been doing DeRay & Co for 20 years or what was that transition like? So yes, believe it or not, I, I incorporated 20 years ago at the ripe age of 24. So if you're good with math, I've now told you how old I am, which is fine. 
<laughs> um, and so I was, I was extremely lucky. I, while I was at the university of Miami, I, at 19, I, I found PR. It was not my major, but I found it. And I've been in PR even full time while I was in school for, for many years. So I was in PR, you know, what is that? Six years before I even really, uh, started my own company five or six years. So it was, it's been fascinating for me. It's been a, a tremendous amount of fun. And that was it. I, I'm very, very lucky. I tell my own children, don't expect to find what you love at 19. I'm, I'm a rare bird. I was very lucky that I had that experience early on. But because of that experience, that gave me the love or the, you know, the exposure to figure out that I loved PR and, and marketing and, you know, kind of within the School of Communications at UM, all the different tools in the toolbox that we use for PR and marketing. And so that was really it for me. And I was incredibly fortunate to work with some fantastic people at a lot of really big PR agencies and had a full-time job even before I had graduated. So that was really it. I mean, I, I did find my calling at 19. I, I loved it. And What's interesting is that I really didn't, I mean, I definitely did not set out to start a company and incorporate. There was no business plan. I worked on dial up and, and we faxed things. Um, and so it was definitely a different time. But what's really interesting is what, what led me actually to end up having a company was that so many of the people that I worked with starting out when I was 19, I, had, I guess I had made an impression or you know, we just had worked really well together because then they started calling me for, for work. And I thought it was just going to be temporary while I kind of decided what angle, what perspective of PR that I wanted to be in. And this little company was born. I, I lived at home with my mom and my sister. It was following college. Again, I was I had my big, big computer in my bedroom and we were on dial up and and it was just a very different time. And And so it wasn't you know, it wasn't glamorous. It wasn't now I think a side hustle or, you know, you know, just kind of that, that the hustle, the business acumen is, is, is interesting and cool. And with a lot of personalities that are out there, they've made it really interesting. And I kind of just did it. I didn't know what I was doing. And so I, I guess it just, you know, it just happened, but it certainly is a lot of sweat equity and hard work and having worked with people in advance and prior to that called me for work that knew my work ethic. So it, it, it just happened and there was no business plan. There still is no business plan. Um, it's just kind of happened, but I'm, in, I mean, I'm just so grateful that I was able to get that experience so early on. And it's actually one of the things that I mentioned to people is just do inter internships as early as you can because you can either figure out what you love or what you don't love and you know, process of elimination. So I, I do, uh, you know, I do give big thanks to those people who took a chance on me at 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, even 24 when I started out. So it's been, it's been a fun ride and certainly working in the cannabis space has made it even more fun. And you know, that, that seatbelt is like, you know, buckle up because we just never know what's going to happen. Yeah. And are, are you from Florida? Did you grow up there and then go to University of Miami? Yes. So I'm a native. I'm born and raised in Miami and then did go to the University of Miami. Uh, my parents actually met there. So I do owe, you know, I do owe quite a bit of, of thanks, I guess, to the University of Miami. And I live down there. So as I like to say, I could have been on the other side of, of the country for as often as I went home uh, to see to see my my family. But um, I am I am a native. And so 
it's 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 been fun to see the growth of Miami and certainly the growth of Florida within the cannabis space, especially over the last few years. Nice. So tell me a little bit about, you know, when you work with cannabis clients, what are some of the first steps that you take with them? What are some things that they need to understand about PR in this space? How can you kind of walk us through a little bit of that onboarding process and some of the unique considerations that um, DeRay and Co brings to the table for them? Sure. So obviously it depends if we're starting with a client that is already established and already launched. Certainly uh, getting a, a client to be prepared to launch is, is different than kind of inheriting them as an already operating uh, either facility or business. But th the biggest thing for us is that we, and, and that's one of the things that I love about public relations and marketing is that we get to dig into the industries for the clients that we represent. So we want to we, we put on our journalist hat and we go after what are the stories? What are we trying to do? What are your goals? Uh, you know, and really making sure that we're understanding their story because it is our job to, I guess, like a, a diamond in the rough at times, polish it up. And, and so we have to really understand what makes the client pick, what looks like success to them, uh, what are they looking to do? What are the future plans? and really get into their mind and into their business plan and understand what does success look like for them. And then also just, again, understand what makes them tick, what they're looking for in terms of PR and, and marketing and what does the greater good look like. So it's very different for obviously for every client and the, t the type of client in terms of what part of the cannabis industry that they're in. So whether it's a farm, you know, as a grower or a processor or, I mean, you know, a nonprofit trade organization or, uh, you know, we have a, a client, one of our clients is bringing a, um, a CBD franchise to market. So it's really interesting because that's a whole different ballgame. And yes, it's, it's CBD and it's within the cannabis space, but it's also pulling from our years of experience working with franchises and franchisees and all of that. So there's all these different layers in, in terms of the type of business that they are. And certainly cannabis is... Um, you know, is obviously kind of the umbrella for us, but we have to still make sure that we're going to the tools in our toolbox, certainly that I've had for decades that continue to change and, and add, and we add toolbox, you know, we add tools into the toolbox. Uh, but we, we really want to make sure that we're understanding what their ultimate goals are and what their business goals are, you know, both business and ultimately PR and marketing so that we can help get together a strategic plan for them so that we stay focused because it, it very much is a startup mentality, which is what I love about the industry, is it, it definitely is a startup mentality. And so things change so incredibly fast. And having that plan and going back to the plan and revising the plan uh, daily, weekly, monthly, um, you know, that's really helpful for us and helps keep us on track and ultimately our clients on track because it's very easy to have that shiny penny syndrome and, oh, here's the shiny penny or here's the new product. And, and there is a lot of pivoting and shifting, uh, you know, throughout, certainly in times of, of crisis, like with COVID, obviously that's a complete pivot and a complete, complete shift. But we still want to make sure that our goals, that we know what they are, that they, that they themselves haven't changed. And if they have, that we have reflected that accordingly in our strategy and our strategic plans for the client. Yeah, that, that makes sense. It is definitely shifting constantly in this space. Um, so tell me a little bit about the clients and the industries you worked in prior to cannabis 
and kind of what your your expertise is there and how you see similarities and parallels to this space, as well as any differences. Sure. So I, I, while we work in a lot of different industries, I, in being in the business for so long, I probably am still a bit of a generalist on some level, even though we do have some specialties. And I, I think for me being in the business for so long, I think that's what kind of keeps me going is the excitement of, you know, either taking on a new industry like cannabis, which there really hasn't been anything like that, where a whole new industry just pops up during my my time. I mean, certainly, you know, the high tech um, and the tech boom, um, you know, was was maybe a bit similar in terms of a new, totally new industry. But you don't normally find a totally new industry that pops up out of out of somewhere. So we definitely have, you know, a, a general view in terms of over the years I've worked and still do with um, legal and professional, which obviously dovetails really nicely into the cannabis space because there are many times that we need to ask questions about trademark about you know even cannabis just in and of itself and employment and all of that so that's a really nice uh, compliment i would say um you know some of the legal clients that we work with just to be able to help out you know franchising and, and things of that nature within kind of the cannabis space but you know certainly legal and professional has always been there and i i, I feel like the 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 need for professionals right now, especially you know legal professionals, as we navigate everything going on and changes in workplaces and changes in how we all do business, has been really it's been really helpful for many of our clients, certainly in the cannabis space as well too. So legal is definitely an area. We also do a lot in real estate, which is is been for years and years, um, and obviously that's in a pivot situation now too. But but understanding real estate is helpful for cannabis as well too because as clients build and, and open up new structures and facilities and construction milestones. And so we're constantly able to leverage experience in that space as well. So it does, it does help. And certainly entertainment, hospitality, consumer packaged goods, all of that certainly, certainly comes into play, especially as we do cross promotionals and, or, I mean, just a variety of, of things within those other industries and being able to tap into them for the cannabis clients or do those cross promotionals or joint ventures or events together. Um, and then, you know, nonprofit is, is something that has just always been near and dear to my heart. So we always love to participate in nonprofits that are giving back, that makes sense. And my favorite, favorite, one of my favorite things to do is to partner clients together for corporate social responsibility efforts. And that dovetails really nicely with cannabis as well, um, you know, and being able to partner and, and, and especially now, whether it's partnering for donations or food drives and being able to give back. So that's just something that's always been with me. And it's a personal, I guess it's just a personal drive that I have to give back. And I'm very lucky that my team supports me in those efforts. And so while we do have a number of, of clients in that space, we also just do a lot of pro bono as well that just keeps us going and keeps us ticking. So, um, you know, we're we're quite busy. Um, you know, there, there aren't too many industries that we're not in or haven't been in for a while, but certainly as things are, are cyclical, I guess that's always been my just desire to be very diversified. So I, I didn't listen to a lot of my consultants over the years who said, 
just focus on one or two industries and, and really own them. And I, I didn't do that. I think that was also part of my need to keep things exciting after so many decades in the business. And so, I mean, certainly we've done and continue to do stuff in education and just a variety of different industries. So it, the most important thing for me, which is, which is I, I think really important to, to point out is I want to work with clients that feel that we are an extension of them and that really let us help them. And so that's more important to me. And I, maybe that sounds a little crazy or unusual is I want to make sure that we're on the same team, because if we're not, we're not going to be successful and we're, and we're going to get frustrated and they're going to get frustrated. And so for us, it's really important that we feel that we're part of them, the extension of them, and that we are helping them navigate through, listen, it could be a crisis. It could be COVID. It could be, you know, there's all sorts of things. And so we need to be working really closely with our clients. And that does make for a really successful partnership because that is how I look at it. And it continues to evolve, which is really fascinating for us too, where clients over the years and even just you know, now are coming to us saying, hey, we need your help with this. We need to add this to the scope. You know our brand, you protect our, you protect us, you protect us from ourselves at time. I mean, sometimes I do have to be that voice of reason and and put my hat on and say, okay, well, this is what a journalist is going to ask of you. So do we want to answer these questions? Because if we don't and we can't provide financial dollars or increase in in the percent of business then we probably shouldn't be going after business stories if that's the situation so a lot of times we are the voice of reason and you know that's not unique to just the cannabis industry that's every client in every industry that there are times that that we do have to be the voice of reason and have those those difficult conversations so I don't mind having them, but certainly though that's why it's so important to be with a client who has a great perspective of our of our team mentality and then we that knows that we enhance what they do. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And tell me a little bit about, you know, I know Florida's a bit more conservative than Colorado and California. So I imagine that the appetite in the stories there around cannabis may or may not be told a little bit differently than maybe what we're hearing out here. Um, is that something that you've experienced and how do you approach that with your clients? Because there's, you know, a lot of hearts and minds that we as industry professionals are looking to change um, or bring some light to given the amount of misinformation that has been there. How do you, do you encounter that and how do you approach that with your clients in the media? So it's interesting. We definitely do, and it, but it, it also depends on the regulations because certainly CBD is very different from working with an MMTC. So obviously, so for those that don't know, Florida, you know, is is it's not recreational. I think most people would know that, but it's not recreational yet. And so uh, we do work with um, an MMTC in Florida, and from the marketing and PR side in comparison to what we can do with CBD clients, it's very different. I mean, you can't just send samples. You can't just ship things to the reporter that wants to try things. Um, certainly, you know, not over the, you know, the state lines. And so the way that we have to approach PR and marketing is very different. Mm -hmm. And so when the farm bill passed on the CBD side, it obviously made things significantly easier. And so in that respect and, and working with, consumer packaged goods, cannabis, you know, within the cannabis industry, it, the, what you want to do is you want to get them samples. I mean, that whether you're representing a sock company or, 
you know, a CBD brand, I mean, you want them to try the product. I mean, that's kind of PR marketing 101 is get the product into their hands and get them to try it. Certainly you can't do that with an MMTC. They have to have a card. You know, there's a lot, there are a lot more layers of complication in that respect. So it definitely does make it harder to navigate. What does MMT stand for? MMTC? Medical Marijuana Treatment Center. Nice. And that's what they're deemed now. So in order to, you have to get a card and see a doctor and it, it's, it's a bit more of a process. It's definitely not like when we're in Colorado and we see it's, it's very, you know, it's recreational. It has been for a number of years now and retail on every corner. And it's, it's obviously very different, but seeing how that transpired, you know, quite a few years ago for me made me very interested in the space and I could see where things were going, but obviously Florida is much more conservative in that respect. And so we do have to navigate things much differently, uh, you know, on the, on the marijuana side than we do on the CBD side, which is, which is pretty open. Um, but I, I would say on the CBD side that there over the last few years, we've had to spend our time educating because there were a number of members of the media that flat out would not accept CBD, didn't understand that it doesn't quote unquote get you high. So there's been a big, big educational process for us as a, as a PR firm for all of the clients that we represent to the media to get them to understand kind of what's going on, um, what is it, give us some background. And we have to do that while not making any claims. So we certainly can't make claims on behalf of a client and in the PR space, any client I've ever, ever, ever worked with, you have to sell what the product is good for and what it's used for. And, and if you're um, selling condos, it's here's what your lifestyle will be. And here are your features and amenities. And here's what you can use. If it's a car and an automobile at zero to 60 and however many you know seconds. And imagine that you're, you're pitching a product and you can't say what it's good for. You can't make a claim. And journalists are trained. That's what that's what they want to know, and that's what they look for. And so that's been certainly very, very difficult to learn how to navigate that. What what does that look like? What does that mean? How do we how do we get reporters? How do we educate them? Not make any claims. Get them the samples, and still get the story to happen. And obviously, the, the the process is a lot longer when you have to educate. So somebody has to wrap their head around it. it's not like just talking about an automobile or something that um, somebody might just be familiar with on their own. Now, obviously, over the last few years, it's gotten significantly better in terms of needing to educate. We've obviously, you know, people are much more educated now, but there still is an educational process with many members of, of the media. And I will tell you that We've even had people that just flat out their directive from the tippy top was we will not cover CBD. We will not cover cannabis at all. And they don't and will not make a, a distinguishing factor between the two. So wow. we had an instance where um, Kim Kardashian had a CBD themed baby shower. I, I forget, maybe it was a year ago, maybe longer. I don't know. Time flies, especially when what we're living in now. I don't know that we know the days were from the <laughs> weeks at this point or even from the months, but was really interesting because Kim Kardashian had a CBD themed baby shower. And it was like, oh my gosh, no matter what you think of Kim Kardashian, whether you love her or you hate her, the fact that she had this was a huge opportunity to 
educate people, make it mainstream in a way that it hadn't been before. And so we did not, our, none of our clients were working with her at all in terms of giving product or, or donating anything in that respect, but we jumped on it and we went out to the media because we knew that celebrity type focused magazines and outlets would be talking about Kim Kardashian and, and her CBD themed baby shower, because it was extension of celebrity reality TV, kind of what media loves, you know, and what consumers like to read about. So we pitched story ideas and made it very clear that, you know, we were not affiliated and we actually got a significant amount of coverage where it was like, oh, if you're interested, check out these brands. And it had a number of brands. But what's interesting is one of the major TV shows that's on a daily TV show that covers celebrities flat out said, we will not, we have not, and we will not at all be covering this story. And I was fascinated by that because you would think if anybody was going to get a, 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 a show on celebrities to do something, you would think certainly it would be Kim Kardashian. And they, they would still will not to this day cover even CBD. So forget about marijuana. I mean, I'm talking CB on the CBD side, which is federally legal, um, you know, since the, the farm bill, although I know there's some back and forth on that. But, you know, those are the types of things that we're having to navigate on behalf of the clients. And it's constantly changing. It's, it's, it's constantly evolving. So people who have said before, no, we won't cover, they, I have seen some more acceptance, but there are still some holdouts that will not, will not participate and will not cover it. So it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see what continues to happen as we evolve through, you know, through the acceptance of the cannabis industry. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because there's not only that educational gap with the media, but then the further gap with the media and the public. And so that all needs to be bridged to really get us to this greater place of understanding and acceptance. Um, so something you had mentioned before was that your marketing and PR toolkit and that you, you try to have as many tools as possible. And these are the things you use to help your clients get coverage. Um, and obviously, I'm assuming that's going to look a little bit different what your cannabis and CBD toolkit looks like. Uh, but maybe it's not. Could you tell us a little bit about those tools, what what they are and, and how you use them? Sure. So it definitely is is different and certainly in some ways reduced just because advertising is is difficult and prohibited in many instances based on, you know, if you're talking Facebook and Instagram, it's certainly there are some workarounds, but that's constantly evolving too. So advertising in general is just very difficult within the whole space. I'm sure I'm telling you what you already know and many others what they they may already know. So there there are some workarounds and, and it continues, that also continues to evolve. And certainly I know we all thought that once CBD, once the farm bill passed, that things would immediately change and, and we're still waiting. We're still waiting for a lot of those things. And, and you would you would think that a lot of the folks that had a lot of money to make would would be accepting of taking ads, especially online, social media, and, and it's a problem. It definitely is a problem in navigating imagery and things getting flagged. And even, even if it's even if it's not an ad, you have to be really careful not to get flagged and then shadow banned and all of that. So that's a very difficult, you know, the advertising aspect is very difficult. And I mean, on the PR side, 
um, it, it, what you want to call PR and what you want to call marketing. I mean, obviously it's all, it's all blurring. There's, uh, you know, the, the peso model, you know, paid, earned, shared, owned. And, um, you know, that's something that spin sucks, uh, put together. Ginny put together. She's, if you don't know her, she's great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called spin sucks. And she has newsletters with all sorts of information about that. And she's just started a, um, a program to get certified on that. But that really is where things are, are going because it's no more, well, I, certainly when I first started and it was dial up and where I'm standing at a fax machine and faxing pages all day as an intern at 19, it was very different. And tr- PR was very traditional and it was, PR was very separate. Church and state were very, it was very divided at different uh, magazines and newspapers. And certainly now it is much more blurred with advertorial. And so there are still some, you know, very, very divided um, between church and state, but certainly those walls have come down quite significantly. And so with that, some of those tools in our toolbox could be using an advertorial, certainly influencer relations. That's obviously huge for the space, particularly when you can't advertise and you can't make claims there is an opportunity for somebody else to make them. So, I mean, obviously you have to be very, very careful how you're sharing and what you're saying if you're sharing the content that they've put together for you. But working with influencers and putting together that content that can be repackaged, obviously that's a significant amount of of almost backdooring a little bit, um, being able to make claims without you actually making them. And and certainly you don't wanna get an FDA warning warning letter or anything like that. So certainly, you know, those are, those are things to use. Um, and then also there are wire releases that can be used as well, uh, you know, which to me don't replace any sort of PR that to me is kind of an additional thing that we can use, obviously social media just throughout. And then on the PR side, obviously bylined articles and thought leadership, which is different than just an ad that may be on your product. Um, in that respect. And then going after awards, that's a huge thing for us on the PR side is identifying trailblazer type awards that it may not even be in the cannabis space in and of itself. It could be that you're an attorney who works in the cannabis space and there may be some, some legal awards. And so at the end of the day, what all of these things do is they create the content that, that then we're able to repackage and maybe it's sharing it in an e-newsletter and on your socials and you know through kind of bringing it throughout so all this hard work of on the pr and marketing side we want to make sure that we are repackaging that that content and pulling it through as many ways as we can so that this way we are you know resharing it and you know and certainly creating that that content which is what everybody's looking for these days and making sure that we're using it many times, not just once, not just sharing it once, but, you know, can we repackage it into a blog? Can we include it into a newsletter? Can we share it on socials? You know, how else can we take that content that we've worked so hard on and it's taken so much time? How else can we repackage that for the greater good to get the word out about, you know, about the client? Yeah. So you mentioned influencer marketing, which I would like to touch on a bit, because I think it's something that a lot of people in the cannabis space have questions on. And also I've heard that some people feel influencer marketing can be a bit of an echo chamber for better or for worse. Like, is this influencer reaching the people who I'm already um, engaged with? Because particularly on the cannabis and CBD side, um, it's, it's a very niche category. And it's a very niche category to be a consumer who follows those types of influencers. Um, can you expand on on your bit about influencer marketing and 
how clients can work with them and what you see as effective? Sure. It, and there, it's not a one size fits all. Obviously, it's very specific to the client. And that's part of that strategy that we work on with them. And, and there's always an evolving strategy, too. So it can uh, the strategy can change if there's a new product that appeals to you know, moms more than, than, you know, non-moms. And so there's always all those different buckets and kind of sub sub markets, I guess. So everybody's very interested in influencer relations, influencer marketing, and there is a piece of that. And I am a fan, but we have to do it carefully and it can't be the only thing. And, you know, we're just, we're just big fans of trying to really do our homework, look at the engagement, make sure that the numbers are, are real with that person and are they creating enough content that then we can again repackage if we're going to go to this trouble we want to make sure that they have the key talking points that we're very clear on what's happening that there is a contract i mean we we actually want to make sure that it's in writing how many posts what they're going to say when they're going to be posted because there's too much up in the air otherwise to to not have it that way and uh, you know the, the the virtual handshakes on you know doing business that way um, we've inherited some situations like that where we try to make it work, but it's so hard after you've, after it's been done, it's, it, I mean, it's like anything in business. It, it really does need to be put down on paper and agreed upon so that we're managing expectations of our client and also of that, of, of the influencer that we're working with. So it's definitely a very layered approach. It's very strategic and you can't be all things to all people. So you, you do have to kind of decide what it is that you want to focus on let's own it let's go after it and it is tough and it is a component of what we do but we're not working with anybody that that's all that they do because that's really not strategic enough for us and i don't believe in influencer marketing or influencer relations enough to only do that i just don't as a, as a marketing person as a pr marketing person again i've got all those tools and while we don't use all the tools at the same time i don't think that's enough to really move the needle for clients it is a very important in what we do it is a it is a spoke in the wheel i guess but it's not the only thing that we're looking to do for clients so we i would say for anybody it's just making sure that you are approaching it thoughtfully you're strategic about it everything is in writing and really doing your homework to make sure that this is the right person because these days i mean even with with any cannabis brand it's so difficult to work even with a celebrity because all it takes is one tweet or one bad posted image, you know, image that could go on their Instagram where, you know, they could even be, you know, Corona shamed at this point and they made a comment or they didn't look like they were sequestering themselves and, and isolating themselves enough. And that turns into a crisis situation. So it's really hard right now on the influencer side. And I would, I would even put, you know, celebrities within that. I mean, obviously they're on the celebrity angle and much, much larger, but really do your homework and try to make sure that that person is as squeaky clean as, as you need them to be and that they are the right type of personality and really do your homework and look back and look and see what do they support? Because you certainly don't want a problem where you've had somebody endorse your product or maybe there are your brand ambassador. Maybe it's even more of a more formal type of relationship that you've put together. And then they maybe said some things that are not going to benefit your brand and, and may actually hurt you. So really doing that, that research and that homework and making sure that they are the person that you want associated with your brand. Uh, that's, that's really the key, the key thing. And then obviously, of course, looking at their engagement and making sure that 
that they have the right types of, of people that engage with them. And I, and one thing I will point out is we have great success with, with the micro, the micro influencer. Yeah. They've been great to work with. Um, they, they, they get it, especially if you find the right ones, they really can be fantastic for the business and, and make a lot of sense. And we see actually a lot more movement with them at times than we do with maybe, I guess the macro or ones that have a huge, huge following. How, how do you define micro influencer? I know I've heard various ranges, like 2000 to 10,000 followers, 50 to a hundred, like how, what is that definition for you? I mean, I would really say kind of under a hundred thousand, you know, I mean, and then there's like the, you know, micro micro where they're super hyper local and maybe they're just, maybe you want something in a, in a, in a city and, and they're just really popular within their city area. So I mean, you really under 50 or a hundred thousand is what I would say. And then you've got, and then it just goes up from there. I just, some of them are, you know, just so amazing to work with and others are very difficult and change the story after you've worked with them. And so again, that's why I want everything in writing and, and it's everybody's very clear and the client is clear too, because we also don't want a client to think, have a different perspective or a different thought of what's going to happen and then have them be disappointed. So we always like to be super clear, crystal clear on all sides and even work with them on the type of copy and content that they're going to post, what the image looks like. We, we ideally like to make sure that we see the image before it's posted. Everybody has a little bit of different um, requirements, but just to make sure that everybody's happy, we really do like to, it, it, again, it's it's just like a partnership. It's like us working directly with our clients is, you know, that's a partnership that we're working with an influencer on behalf of our clients. So we want to make sure that everybody's happy and, you know, and potentially leads to future partnerships in the future. Yeah, that makes sense. Um. Okay, so tell me a little bit about your favorite part about working in the cannabis industry. What what separates <laughs> this for you from a, as a business owner from the other spaces that you work in? So a couple things. One is it moves so fast, and as you can see, I'm a fast talker, and I I, I really just love what I do, and I love that that gives me that extension of just. Every day, I mean, even in the best strategic plans that we have, they are constantly being shifted and, and pivoting. And, you know, even without COVID on us, you know, even um, just on a day to day without it, there's all these exciting things that happen and opportunities. So I love the fast, fast paced nature of the industry. And some of it is that startup mentality and really, um, you know, clients are, are also really willing to take a risk in terms of they'll do things that maybe a traditional type of client would not be quick to jump on. So I like that aspect of it. It's like, bring me all your ideas. So I, I do like that they're willing to listen to all ideas to just see, oh yeah, it's kind of cool. Let's think about that. So we definitely can use more of our tool, tools in our toolbox or we can go to them or provide those opportunities to be considered more. Um, so the fast paced nature kind of letting us dig deeper and, and do you know, what we want to do. And I think the challenging nature, I think having to understand every day what's going on, the required reading that I do in the morning to see who got an FDA warning letter, what's going on in different states that could impact what we have going on for clients, things that are legally you know, being challenged or different things that could, that will affect our clients, you know, like the hemp bill or the FDA, um, 
you know, everybody that was going there to speak on the FDA uh, behalf and, and tapping into those things because we want to be, even if our clients are not, you know, or like the Kim Kardashian, or Kim Kardashian CBD themed um, shower. I think it's also tapping into that, into pop culture, real life, what's going on, tapping into the news and, and kind of getting the clients into that. So even if they're not speaking and testifying to the FDA and, and providing their insight, well, they can still provide insight to media about what that impact looks like for their business and what they're anticipating and what their perspective is. So staying on top of those current events, I guess, you know, for whether it's political or it's pop culture or whatever it may be, um, or, or just industry specific, that's really fun too. Is, is, so that keeps us, you know, from one day to the next, something could pop up and we need to jump on it because we need to, we need to want to capitalize on that opportunity for our clients. So those are the types of things that you really can't put in a plan, yeah. uh, you know, and even a crisis. And, and there are a lot of crisis type opportunities. I think also that's part of the lack of education for some people and reading COAs wrong or taking things to a lab. And, and we've seen this significantly across the U.S. for, for different clients is that um, you have journalists that want to explain to their viewers about CBD or what does it mean or how you can use it. And it is, you know, it is a, an educational opportunity, but sometimes, and we've seen this significantly, that labs can be very different. I mean, if you go to three different labs and get lab results, there will be three different, different. Yeah. And so media can, can take that, not understand what that may mean. They can also ask for different types of tests that are not industry standards. So we've had to navigate that as well too. And um, not as much certainly as some of the other pivoting things that we've had to do, but, but we have, and I think that's just part of the educational process that we continue to go through within this space because people don't understand journalists don't entirely understand. And we do need to be that extension of our clients to explain, well, can we see the lab results? Let it, can we take a look at them? And, you know, oftentimes they're reporting things and making them sound as though they are, dramatic incorrect and it could still be the numbers are still within within what's reasonably accepted and what and and they don't always understand that so again i think it's that educational process and we do appreciate the journalists that will allow us to work with them on those opportunities and and help educate them as well too so we do appreciate what they're going after with helping to educate about cbd or about what the numbers mean and did this test with what they're saying it is and so we appreciate that but it is still part of that extension of of educational process that many times can turn into a crisis situation with a client and and so you know navigating that so i i mean i would say those things definitely keep us on our toes. It keeps me certainly very um, active in the space. And, and I don't see really any of that changing at all. I, I think that, you know, it's like dog years in this space. I, I feel like it's, it's just, it's just incredibly fast. And I, that's what, I, that's what myself and my team, we, we love that. So we kind of don't know what the day has in store for us at times. So it's like the only thing to expect is the unexpected. And that's kind of a, a I don't know, I guess that's a philosophy we definitely have had to incorporate in working in the cannabis space for sure. Totally. I, I, that resonates very deeply with us as well. Um, so quickly before we wrap up, I mean, it sounds like that there is this shift of cannabis and CBD going from obviously a niche un misunderstood product more and more into the mainstream, but it is happening slowly. 
and there is a lot of heavy lifting the industry has to do as far as educating the media and educating consumers so that those TV shows aren't saying, oh, no, we're never going to cover this, even if somebody like Kim Kardashian does put their stamp on the on the brand. Um, what do you see us as marketing and PR professionals having to do to allow that to that shift to continue to happen and perhaps happen a bit quicker? I think and I say this with the context of cannabis is now in the midst of COVID in some states being designated an essential business. Some states it's not. Right now, stores are closed in Massachusetts. They're open here in Colorado. Um, it's it's very different, but this conversation is shifting and things are changing. What what do we as marketing and PR professionals need to do to make that transition continue to happen and happen in a way that is smooth and effective? Sure. And it's interesting. You were asking me about Florida, and is it? It's it's you know it's very different. And we actually, are, one of our clients was was one of the individuals who got um, the MMTCs designated as essential. So that's a huge thing for Florida. And so yes, we want to leverage that, and we want to make sure that you know there are some great opportunities and and educational talking points, marketing messages to get out there. And I I think that because it was deemed essential. In Florida, as you mentioned, it's 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 a very um, you know conservative state, and that speaks volumes within the state of. I mean, obviously, it's much much different in in Florida being designated versus Colorado, and so we want to leverage that. And and I do think once you've been deemed essential, how do you go back from that? Right. Yeah. I think that's a great opportunity, certainly for those states where maybe you know it was a bit more difficult to do business in. And so I think we have to just continue to educate keep our professionalism with us, make sure that we're communicating succinctly uh, as best as we can, ma making sure we're educating our clients as well, that they need to, you need to keep at it. I mean, at, at a time now with COVID, the knee-jerk reaction in all of PR and marketing, no matter what industry you're in, is to stop. And we've seen yeah. historically in prior recessions and in 9-11 and, and, and when we've had a down economy, which we've been very lucky that we haven't had one in, in, in a very long time, the, the brands that continued with it and that found a way to continue, those were the brands that got the market share. And so we've been really lucky with our clients who have, have realized that. And certainly we've had to pivot and everything is not hunky-dory and everything is perfect. So I don't want to come on and say that everything is beautiful and everything is perfect. We're obviously living in a very difficult time that continues to change and will continue to change. And I think for us as marketers, we just need to make sure that we are you know, we're in it for the long haul, that we're bu buckled in, you know, for the long haul, that we're here for the clients, um, we're here to help the clients. I will say that it has become a, not 24-7, but maybe 27, you know, 20 hours a day, seven days a week for the last several months, where we've had to continue to help clients pivot, create statements, leverage opportunities that have come in, help them with corporate social responsibility, but continue to make sure that, that, people know that they are still moving forward. Their businesses are still operating. If they've been deemed essential, they've had to figure out, well, how do we make it work? How do we, how do we pivot? Um, if, if it's a client that had a huge retail presence and now they've had to think about, they've always had e-commerce, but now they've had to pivot more back to e-commerce because people aren't going into retail or they can't, or the stores have been closed. So I think for us as marketers, it's just being there with them, certainly counseling them, making sure that they understand that once you say something, you can't take it back. It's out there. 
And so many times we're at a fork in the road with our clients and, and I have to remind them, we're, we're, we're here, there's a fork in the road. If you say this, this means that way down the road that we need to think about. And if you say that, it means this. So looking really long-term and helping them see the long-term picture. And I do think for us as marketers, we're used to that. And we're used to looking at demos and, and you know, what do the demographics say and what is the strategy behind it? And so we do have to continue to counsel our clients and make sure that they realize that the decision that they're making today could have a long, far lasting impact for the type of marketing and the types of claims and the types of marketing messages that we're going to, we're going to say, because once you've said it, it's, you can't go back. And especially on the PR side, I mean, once you've said we're going to do this, you, you, you don't want to go back um, unless you absolutely had to. So I think really just making sure that we are the voice of reason, sticking with them, helping them pivot and making sure that they know that we are here for them around the clock, really. And, and I think that's where value is seen and appreciated from the clients and that then for us as marketers, you know, when there's a downturn or when maybe sales aren't what they had expected, we're not just the line item in their expenses that we are, we are essential to them like they've been deemed essential for those that have been um, in what they're doing. So I, I really think it's been a big opportunity for us as marketing people to step up and make, you know, make a reminder, give them a reminder that we are here for them and we are part of their team. And so I think that's a key thing. And I've worked really hard at doing that, but my team has as well too. We've worked, we've had a lot of, a lot of extra hours and I'm very, I have to give a shout out to a great team who helps me just, you know, move the needle, constantly pivoting. And, and that I feel is our job is more now than ever um, to, to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all, that's so awesome. Thank you so much, Duray. Please let everybody know how they can find you. Sure. So we are, um, we, it's funny, we just actually built a microsite for our CBD and cannabis business. So I'll give you our, our main site is dureandcompany.com. It's D-U-R-E-E and company, all spelled out, .com. And then we created this brand new microsite that we, due to COVID, we haven't even officially announced it yet a couple of teasers on social media but we haven't even been able to put our strategy in place because we've had to pivot there um it's cbdureandcompany.com um and that's our microsite for our um our work on on, on the cannabis side and it's it's brand new i know that we'll be adding to it as well too and then certainly you know we love we love socials we love engaging so i'm personally at duray ross d-u-r-e-e -E ross on instagram and our Instagram handle is DeRayCoPR um, on, on Instagram. But we'd love to engage. We, we really, we've got a lot of stuff planned. So I, I hope to connect with folks. And if I can do anything or give any sort of insight to anybody watching, feel free to reach out to me. I'm Deray at DeRayAndCompany.com. And I am more than happy to help anybody that may have a question or needs any sort of insight from my end. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun.